recent sermon series entitled Pilgrim's Life. And this morning we'll be talking about the behavior of a pilgrim. The passage could be found in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 22. And this 15 verses talks about the interpersonal relationship of a pilgrim. And how may we face these troubling times of the world? Because interpersonal relationship is very complicated. The reason is because human beings are complicated. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And the scripture is means no word. It tells us that human beings' heart is more deceitful than anything else. <laughs> and there was once uh, a zoo. And in one of those cage or set or room uh, there was this inscription the world's most dreadful animal so and out of curiosity visitors wanted to find out which animal is the most dreadful in the world and once visitors would enter this room they will find nothing. However, there's a mirror. So whenever the visitors would look what's inside the mirror, then they'll realize which one, which animal is the most dreadful in the world. And this is human being. Human beings are the most dreadful animal in the world. Because the human heart is deceitful beyond cure. As a pastor, you know sometimes I would have some thoughts that comes out of my heart. I myself am so afraid or scared of this thought. And I ask myself, why am I thinking like that? And yet I'm a believer. And I'm a pastor. How could I think such evil thoughts? Indeed, man's heart is wicked. One time, a young ruler rushed before Jesus. He even knelt down before Jesus. Good master, what should I do for me to have eternal life? And Jesus asked this young man the question, Why do you call me good? Apart from God, there's nobody good in this world. And Jesus taught this young ruler something. Only God could truly be called good. If you call me good master, are you aware that I am the son of God? Because there's nothing good in the life of man. Our goodness are all Fake. But praise God. When we are born again, the DNA of God would reside in us. And as the life gradually grows, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit can be produced. And the fruit of the Holy Spirit could be considered our conduct. And which means that the transformation that has happened in our lives. That's why Jesus said, You are the light and salt of the world. You should show people your good deeds. That they may give glory to our Heavenly Father. 
and why is it that the glory should be to our heavenly Father and not unto us? The good behavior belongs to us. No. This behavior were given by God to us. The life that God has bestowed upon us. If you pay attention to this, we are saved not by good work, but these are necessary after we are saved. Good works are fruits of salvation and not the means for our salvation. May God help us as we give glory to our Heavenly Father. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 22, it can be divided into two sections. Verses 8 to 12 It teaches us the principles for the complicated interpersonal relationship. While verses 13 to 22 will teach us how to use this behavior as we face difficulties of the world. Please remember that behind this, there's a very important reason which tells us that our lives must be changed first. And we should not face these difficulties by merely our good behavior. Our good behavior will never reach God's standard. Let us take a look at the first aspect. How will we resolve the complicated interpersonal human relationship? As we read verses 8 to 9 in 1 Peter chapter 3. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. And in these two verses, it pointed five spiritual aspects in the, to enable us to face this very complicated interpersonal relationship. First, we need to learn how to be like-minded. Please remember something very important. Whenever the Bible will point out be like-minded, it doesn't pertain that you should be uh, alike in all aspects. It is impossible. For it is impossible to do so. Because every person has different viewpoint of the situation. And many of us will have different opinions. It's not possible for you to be alike in all aspects. However, you need to maintain a like-minded, a like-minded like heart. How? How? There's a very important thing that we need to know. And the word is consensus. This is very important. What's the meaning of consensus? It's the result. It's the final agreement that uh, you have after having a thorough discussion. So communication. That's why there's a need for you to communicate. You should not uh, stop communication. Husband and wife should go away. Husband and wife needs to continue talking. Father and children needs to talk. And the superiors or the bosses in the, in the company ought to talk to their subordinates. In the same manner, co-workers in the church needs to talk. You need to understand what the other person is thinking. Even if you need not 100% agree with his or her opinion. 
Sometimes if you cannot understand why he's thinking like that. So and then miscommunication will arise. Saint Augustine Saint Augustine gave us a very important saying. In this world, there are so many things. Some of which are essential, while others are none. Unless this is in conflict with the truth, we need to learn how to accept and accommodate. Allow the other person freedom to do his or her things. Dear church, may I share with you these two sentences. Working in unity progress the church work or ministries. Working without unity in the church will progress your spiritual life. Co-worker pertains to your loved ones, your spouse, your parents, your siblings, or your children. Please go home and ponder upon these two sayings. If you do not understand the meaning, please come and see me. May God help us. First, you need to be united with one heart. It's a very important foundational principle in between human beings. Number two, Secondly, you need to be sympathetic. Uh, the English translation is to be sympathetic, but in the Chinese translation, it means that you need to feel the other persons. Empathize. So empathize to empathize is to objectively understand the other person's feeling from his or her perspective. To simply put, you compare your heart with the other person's heart. You talk with each other from the heart. In this particular thing, should it happen to me? How will I address? In that way, it will be easier for you to understand the other person's point of view. In the book of Romans, chapter 12, verse 15, it tells us the real meaning of this. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. It's a very good example to define the word empathy. I wonder if you uh, could uh, agree or feel that this world is getting to be more and more uh, uh, inhuman or less human. Whenever you make a phone call, if you call the bank, you will not find a human being answering. An answering machine will say, if you are looking for this, press one. Now, number two. Press two. Now, number three. Or press three. Number four. Or press four. End the, end the service, tip number five. And then if you should uh, end the service, press five or the hash key. From the start until the end, there's no human, live human being answering your call. Of course, you'll reason out that, Pastor, this is the sign of progress. Yeah, this is jimbo. Yes, you could say that this is the sign but, of progress. I'm not against such a technological improvement. Gradually, you'll find out that there's no need for individuals to face each other face-to-face. You know that in Japan, there's a man 
能离唔不离居家嘅房间啊，唔不离居家嘅房间啊。For almost two years, he has not stepped out from his room. 唔不同人讲到位啊。And this person did not talk to anyone. 伊跌跌 computer 创大字。The person could just work each day from the computer. 伊前面叫人上来。The food will be automatically delivered. 佢帮啲门口。And it will be left、uh, outside his door. 有一个 any time 你脱出嚟记者，唔不出去啦。And this person has never leave his room. 这个真可怕。And it's such a very、uh, dreadful incident. I hope the church should not be like that. I told the church already. As we will stop our live stream ministry, because we would encourage all of you to come. Uh, in person to worship with us. If you ask pastor if I really cannot attend your service on site, please uh, don't worry. And after the worship service, it will be uploaded. But we will stop the live stream ministry. Because whenever you participate in live stream, you'll be missing something very important. You know what's that? Fellowship. It's the fellowship. Koinonia. It's the koinonia. Koinonia is the peace, sharing with each other your wealth, your joy, your sadness, or your grief. How can you do that if you remain at home? May God help us. We need to learn how to care for others. And how to have meaningful relationship with other people. You know, previously when we were worshiping in Talayan village, the entire church underwent renovation. If you have time, please go back and visit our、uh, previous church. And after it underwent renovation, and we will turn that place for people to have events, to have fellowship, and to have life group ministry. One time, a coworker asked me the question. You know, in Talayan village. As we enter the church, you know,、uh, at the front of the church, there's this handrail.、Uh, some people suggested, shall we remove the handrail? So that it will look better whenever、uh, the, the bride will enter for wedding. I said no. I said no. No, no, no. I'm going to be just tanky like. I told the person, please、uh, do not remove the handrail. And luckily and, and gladly, this coworker asked my permission. Otherwise, if it will be removed, I will instruct them to place it back. I told this person, do you know the reason why the handrail was installed there? It's not for those who are getting married. These are not intended for young people. These are for senior people like us. If you count, there are about seven steps. For younger people who are healthy, it's just but a seven steps. However, to people who are older, every step will be a struggle. Our older、uh, people need something to hold on to. We need to think for other people's welfare. We need to consider all angles and、uh, with a holistic approach. And this is what we mean by being empathetic. So, as we strive to resolve interpersonal relationships. Please do not just think about yourself. You need to think about how the other people. Thirdly, you need to love one another. We need to love each other as brothers. We need to enjoy this brotherly love. As we call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ. 
May God help us. We need to love each other. However, in this world, many of us not only do not love each other, but we attack or bite each other. Especially when one's personal interest is at stake. Each party refused to give way. You know why? Because in Chinese, they refuse to eat the loss. They refuse to take a loss. Let me ask you this question. If you really love a person, are you willing to take a loss for the sake of the other person? If you love your husband, if you love your wife, if you love your children, if you love your father, are you willing to absorb the loss on his or her behalf? Yes. The answer is yes. Unless you do not love this person. I've heard this saying and I believe that statement may not have come from a Christian or it should not come from a Christian. I will eat anything, chicken, meat, or fish, but I refuse to eat a loss. That statement should not come from a Christian. Christians ought to say, for the sake of God, I'm willing to absorb the loss. Because when you love a person, you need to ask yourself this question. How much loss, how much inconvenience am I willing to absorb or to endure for this person? We love because God first loved us. God has loved us and He is willing to take the loss for us. He gave us His one and only Son to die for us on the cross. We love because God first loved us. If you truly love a person, how can you not be willing to take a loss? Fourthly, we need to have compassionate and humble heart. Compassionate pertains to other persons. Humble pertains to oneself. As you are moved with compassion for another person, whenever you go back to read the four Gospels, this statement, moved with compassion, appears many times in the four Gospels. Oftentimes, it pertains to Jesus Christ. When Jesus faced a person uh, sick with leprosy, his heart was moved with compassion. He stretched his hand and touched this person. When Jesus saw a man born blind from birth, Jesus' heart was moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched this blind man's eyes. When Jesus was telling the parable of the Good Samaritan, as the Good Samaritan was traveling, and when he saw a person lying by the roadside, the Good Samaritan was moved with compassion. And he rushed to save this injured person. And the parable of the prodigal son, as the father awaits patiently for his son to return, when he saw his son from afar, the father's heart was was moved with compassion. The father rushed to meet his prodigal son and hugged him and kissed him repeat, repeatedly in this world. And I confess, there are some people in this world that you might find not worthy to have compassion on them and not worthy to be merciful to them. Just like the prodigal son. Unworthy. You may say that the prodigal son is unworthy. 
甲基督将老百姓中的子，郎中帮杀去，郎中杀人去。He wasted his father's wealth on prostitutes and wasted everything on friends. 归日剃头，剃头，接连剃头。This prodigal son enjoyed his life each day while wasting his father's wealth. Even this prodigal son admittedly said, "I'm no longer worthy to be called your son." However, why did the father still accepted accept this son? Because his father's heart was moved with compassion. Dear church, indeed, it's very complicated to address the interpersonal relationship. Many times, it's very difficult to decide or to conclude who, which party is at fault. Should this day come? If God will touch your heart so that your heart will be moved with compassion, may the Lord help us that we need to obey the Holy Spirit's leading and be compassionate. Even if he or she is not deserving, how about humility? Humility, you need to talk to yourself. You know that you cannot be compassionate, you cannot be merciful because you are not merciful. What do you mean by being humble? Humility uh, means that you agree. You admittedly say that one day I may be like you. When I see the other person fail, I dare not be proud because I know that without God's protection, I may end up like that person. I may fail like him or her. The reason why I do not fail today is not because I'm better than the other person. It's because God's grace is greater in my life. If you have that kind of mentality, then it's easier for you to be compassionate. Otherwise, you may think that you're so strong and you will not feel the other person's weakness. So, yeah. Only the sick can understand the difficulty or the hardship of another ill person. Many years ago, uh, I underwent some operation in the hospital. During that time, I personally experienced I didn't realize how cruel the medical practitioners were by inserting that tube from my nose to my intestine. From that day onward, whenever I visit the sick in the hospital, and I, I, whenever I see them with tubes inserted, then I would be reminded how painful that experience was. Because I personally went through that. May the Lord help us that we may have compassionate and humble heart as we interact with other people. We need to have a heart that repay evil with good. Let's read verse 9. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. Whenever you experience injustice, unfair treatment, whenever you're attacked by your enemies, when you're unjustly accused, how can you face this? From the negative perspective, we need to learn how to forgive the other person. But it's not sufficient. And we need to adopt a more positive approach. And it's according to the Bible. 
We need to love our enemies. Do not repay evil with evil. If you are mis- uh, unjustly treated, then you should not repay with such treatment. If I'm shouted, I will shout back. It means that I'm repaying evil with evil. Then you'll find out that if you are having such situation at home, the evil forces has already infiltrated your family. And your family is now controlled by the evil forces. And what will it bring you? Maybe you'll end up with broken family. Maybe divorce. In the same way, the church. Whenever in the church there will be uh, issues. If you shout at each other, if you quarrel with each other, eventually it may lead to uh, the the uh, separation, the split of the church. Evil forces is already dominant and controlling the place. If the bad people are uh, treat you unjustly, if you repay evil with evil, so he's a wicked person, I'm also a bad person. If we uh, consider to uh, uh, adopt a different approach, if you bless the ones who curse you, it may be different. And I realize that it's not our normal uh, individual human nature. You remember the message I shared with you last week? Conditional reflect. Conditional response. Reflect. Reflect. And how I'm treated, it's the same way I will treat others. It's very natural. It need not pass through your thinking process. In reality, there's a second reason. It's in your heart if you're filled with bitterness. It's very easy for you to react. For example, for example, if you're in the company, if your superior or your boss got mad at you, and you're shouted out, and you feel so in- uncomfortable for the sake of your job, for the sake of maintaining your position, for the sake of your salary, you re- uh, refuse to answer back, and you listen quietly, and so pitiful. In your heart, you're so bitter and once you get back home, minor issues happen when you went home. Then you'll kick the object that comes across you. And suddenly you got mad at your wife. What are you doing? Have you not uh, kept this place tidy? I've been I'm working so hard. You are just watching Korean novels. And the wife will be surprised. In reality, the bitterness that this man endured at work is now released upon the wife. That's why the Bible teaches us. You bless those who cursed you. You love your enemies. And the reason given was because this was the reason why you were called in order for you to inherit God's blessing. All of us are undeserving of God's grace. But because of God's salvation, God changed our lives that you and I may become blessings for other people. And for that reason, you inherit this blessing so that other people may also receive such blessings. 
And these are the five spiritual behavior or characteristics that we need to have as we face the complicated interpersonal relationship. Second, the principles to overcome difficulties. It turned out that such kind of a life will even help you to withstand and face difficulties. If you read Verses 13 to 22. You'll discover these three principles on how to overcome difficulties in life. Number one. First, we need to understand that those who suffer for what is right will be blessed. Let's read verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? No, no, no. No one will harm you if you're eager to do good. Under normal circumstances, if you're eager to do good, no one will harm you. However, there are some unique and special circumstances. It's very possible that you may face difficulties, challenges, oppression when you do good. If you read verse 14, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Peter reminded us that if you suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. You'll be blessed. What kind of blessings? Let's see how Paul answered this question. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. It turned out that Whenever we suffer for God, we'll receive more blessings, more uh, comfort, and more uh, uh, abundantly in Christ. When is the time that you will pray fervently and persistently? What is the occasion that you find yourself trusting God more? The answer is very simple. Whenever you're in sufferings, whenever you're in hardship, because when there's no way for you to go, then you will turn back to God. The Gospel of Luke chapter 6 Jesus mentioned this very uh, strange uh, situation. Blessed are those who are poor. Blessed are those who are hungry. And blessed are those who weep. And woe to those who are abundant. Woe to those who are well fed. And woe to those who are in joy. This may you what does it mean? How can one consider blessed if you are poor, if you are hungry, and if you are weeping? How can it, uh, how can a person suffer, uh, face this uh, woe if he is abundant, if he is happy? It's not possible, don't you think so? Yes, I can submit. What Jesus wanted to tell us, Even if to be poor, to be in hunger, to be weeping may not be good, but these are good when they will make us rely more in God. On the contrary, to be rich, to be full and happy are not necessarily bad, but this will be disastrous if they will make us turn away from God. May the Lord help us. In this world, we cannot avoid sufferings. For you and I live in this 
tumultuous and suffering time. And even when Jesus ascended to heaven, he already reminded us, in this world, there will be tribulations. Each one of us will have the opportunity to suffer for the sake of righteousness. What does it mean to suffer for righteousness? May I help you uh, share with you this definition? When we do things according to the truth in the Bible, yet are being persecuted, then we are suffering for what is right. And Jesus said, in Matthew 5, 11 to 12, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecute the prophets who were before you. Jesus and Peter both reminded us of the same thing. Whenever you're suffering for the sake of righteousness, please remember that God will never leave us. And that is the path towards righteous toward, towards blessedness, and that's the beginning of it. Number two. Secondly, those who suffer for what is right can testify about Christ. If you read verse 15, but in your hearts reveal Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and with respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Whenever you suffer for Christ, it's also the opportunity for you to bear witness. In the book of Job, it talks about how a righteous man underwent sufferings. As we read Job chapter 1, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright and a man who fears God and shuns evil. And that's the testimony God had for his servant Job. And yet Satan immediately responded, Yes, yes. Your servant Job was truly a person like that. But he is not like that without any reason. Because you blessed Job. You protected Job. And you love him. Let me tell you, Job may not love you necessarily. Job loved the gifts, the blessings that you gave him. Many times. correct. Such response may fit you and me correctly. The reason why God blessed us, the reason why we love God, and when God will take away your health, when God will remove your wealth, when God will take away your children, Satan predicted that Job will curse you to the face. Come test it out. Even if God claimed that his servant was not like that, Satan challenged God to do it. If you read chapter 3 to chapter 42 in the book of Job, and you'll find a conclusion in Job chapter 42, and God blessed Job twice. If you pay attention, from chapters 3 to chapter 42, 
Satan never appeared in those chapters. And there was no more comment from Satan. Why is it so? Because the Bible clearly tells us Satan is the one who accused us before God. Day and night. Day and night. You know the reason why Satan has no comment from chapters 3 to 42? Because Satan has no more words to say against Job. Because of Job's life, he testified so that Satan has no word to accuse him. And that's how Peter explained this to us. So that those who accuse you will have no words to say. May the Lord help us. Whenever you're attacked by other people, when you're accused unjustly, dear church, you need not jump up to defend yourself. For other people, a small comment would not be received kindly. As if, if you will not defend yourself, then you cannot live anymore. As Christians, you and I are not that type of a person. And Peter reminded us that as we face them with humility, with uh, uh, fear, God. Fear, fear of God, and clear conscience, and clear conscience we will face these issues. Face others with gentleness, face God with reverence, and face ourselves with a clear conscience. Dear church, indeed, we live in this difficult times. Whether you are a believer or a non-believer, someday we will face our days of suffering. Maybe it's a health issue. It may be your financial issues. Even family uh, some unforeseen circumstance will happen. And this would be inevitable and it happens to people around you. The only difference is as believers, how should we face such situation? Please remember. In 1 Peter chapter 1, we are reminded that we have this living hope. And because of this, we, have, we will face this kind of uh, result. Apostle Paul served his God for more than 30 years. Though he was attacked, criticized, though he was falsely accused, and because of what he believed in, he died as a martyr. But before his demise, he uh, gave this verse, these verses which many of us love to quote. I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for this, his, his appearing. This is Paul and Pamong. And that's the hope of Paul. It's the hope that he has in his sufferings. Chairman, May I ask, what kind of hope do you have as you face difficulties and challenges in life? What kind of hope do you have? The last. Finally, those who suffer for what is right can overcome the enemy. Let's read chapter 3, verses 18 to 20. For Christ also suffered once for sins and the righteousness of for the unrighteous 
to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through the waters. 这段圣经是新约圣经祈祷这段真艰苦解释这段的经文。This portion of the scripture is one of the、uh, several passages that's very difficult to understand and explain. 但真系记得。But please remember， 这段圣经重点是个教耶稣基督嘅见证。It talks about the testimony of testimony of Jesus Christ。耶稣基督嘅模样同 role model。And the role model Jesus provided us。意思就系面对苦难。As how he Faced sufferings, righteousness in the place of unrighteousness, and how he was able to overcome his enemies. I mentioned on the day that Jesus was crucified. It's the most unrighteous day in the world. Creator who created the heaven and earth is now being judged by the creatures he has created. A sinless entity is now being judged by the sinful person. Perfect person is now being condemned by the imperfect one. It's the most unfair. Injustice in the entire universe. Because Jesus suffered for righteousness. Please do not forget that. When Jesus was captured, and Peter pulled out his sword, he wanted to protect Jesus. And Jesus commanded Peter to return the sword back to the king. Don't you know that? Twelve kinds of angels can be asked to protect me. This is the Roman military system. The legion would comprise six thousand soldiers. Twelve legions would mean seventy-two thousand soldiers. You know how powerful and how strong seventy-two thousand angels will be. Just go back to read. The book of Isaiah, chapter thirty-seven, verse thirty-six. Just a singular angel was able to annihilate and kill hundred eighty-five thousand Assyrian soldiers. Just one angel. Imagine if there will be seventy-two thousand angels. What does it mean? All armies in the world will all disappear and will be eliminated. And Jesus commanded Peter, "Please keep your sword. If I will not die, no one in this world could kill me. However, I am willingly submitting myself." To go to the cross. Even if physically I'm dead, spiritually I've been resurrected. And that's the focal point of how Jesus was victorious over sin and death. In verse 19. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. And in this verse, one of the most difficult to explain verse in the Bible. You need to answer two questions. Number one, first, the prisoners are who? Who are the imprisoned spirits that the verse was talking about? Number two, and what kind of message Jesus went to proclaim? In this world, you may find these three different answers. Who are the imprisoned spirits in the prison? It may pertain to these three. Number one. 
First, some people believe that those who are imprisoned are those disobedient who died in the time of Noah. Number two, secondly, the saints who died during the Old Testament. And third, it's possible that they may be the fallen angels. So these three different answers were provided. I feel that which one is correct? It's possible the first and third answers. So it's possible that those who are those who are called imprisoned spirits are those who disobeyed God in the times of Noah or the fallen angels, Satan. What kind of uh, message did Jesus proclaim? And the biblical scholar also provided three possible answers. First, and because um, gospel was proclaimed, so those who are inside are provided opportunity to repent. Second, to declare to those inside that Jesus has now completed the redemption act. And third is to declare the final judgment. Personally, I feel that it's not possible for the first answer because those inside will not be provided with a second chance. I felt that it's more possible that second proclaim because the word proclaim is to announce to declare that Jesus has completed the work of redemption. And do you know the meaning of this verse? The Spirit of Christ proclaimed to those who disobeyed in the time of Noah and to the fallen angels that the work of redemption is now completed and Christ has conquered sin and death. During the times of Noah, when God commanded Noah to uh, build an ark in order to proclaim to the whole world and 120 days to build this great ark and to share the word of God. And yet during the time we were told and we are aware that none accepted only Noah and eight members of his family were saved. Noah and his wife, three sons of Noah and his three daughters-in-law. The rest of the whole population were all uh, died in the flood. The Chinese has a better meaning. In this ark, if you look at the Chinese character, and the left-hand side, it connotes the right ark. Side, put a, put a tree. And the right-hand side, this two uh, character that you'll see pertains to eight mouths. As eight persons survived inside the ark. And that's the ark of Noah. So, we believe that uh, this Chinese character may have God's revelation or inspiration. Both Noah and Jesus suffered for the righteousness. Just imagine that. After Noah built this ark, as Noah fervently and passionately asked people to enter the ark because the flood is fast coming and uh, they should believe in Jesus. You know how he was responding. He was mocked and ridiculed. He was called crazy. He's out of his mind. Just like us. When we, whenever we say that Jesus is coming again and the world will face destruction, you'll be called 
fool. You're crazy after believing in Jesus. In the same way, Jesus, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, and the people mocked at him, spit at him. And ridiculed Jesus, please, if you're the Son of God, please come down that we may believe you. Both Noah and Jesus, they have never repaid evil with evil. And both of them were silent without answering. The book of Isaiah described Jesus like, like a lamb being slaughtered. Jesus was without a world. But in the end, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22. Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. He suffered for the sake of righteousness and he was able to overcome. Dear church, how may you overcome your enemies? It's not repaying evil with evil. You need to overcome your enemies with love. That they may know what it means to be a Christian. And the Lord help us. Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message that we heard a while ago. May your Holy Spirit continue to convict each one of us of our sins and grant us the power to live a life worthy of your calling. Amen. That we may be willing to suffer for your sake Amen. and be willing to live our lives for you. That all of us may become light and salt in the dark world that we are facing. Amen. Even as many of us are facing challenging times, suffering in different aspects, May your Holy Spirit continue to encourage us, empower us, and guide us as we follow you through the days of our life. Amen. amen. In Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen. amen.